Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. We've been doing a series, as I said, called Knowing What You Believe. Why is that important? Because it's important, it's important to live the Christian life more than it is to speak the Christian life. Can I have an amen? amen. Uh, very important. You, 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 you understand what the scriptures say that you can, you, you have that living on the inside of you because the word of God is living. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. It's, it's living because it's spirit. Jesus said, John 6, 63, my words are spirit and they're life. Anyway, we have been teaching just the very basics of of our, our comes from our faith statement. Just, uh, I don't want you to come to Faith Family Church and be shocked that you know there some. I mean that we we teach things that are, you know are not in the Bible. No, we teach everything that comes from the Bible. And I've said it before. We don't take pull things out of Scripture to try to make them say something they don't. Um, uh, we don't believe uh, something, but only give you things that make you feel good. Then because we believe other things under the. No, we we are very transparent. And very important. So there's, uh, I'm, I'm going to teach this morning on a, this, this specific subject of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And um, I want, um, we're going to provide for you that are, uh, we actually are doing the membership class, meaning what? You come to these services and learn about uh, the things that we're teaching. There's actually, we're going to be teaching every Sunday morning, Wednesday night, up till Easter Sunday morning. So we're excited about that. But there's a couple of small books that are absolutely important by Kenneth E. Hagan. Kenneth E. Hagan is in heaven, but he was born the same year my daddy was born. And um, great man of God, and he's in heaven, but his message has changed our lives. And one of the books he wrote, it's called The New Birth, and, and the other one called White Tongues. And so we're going to make those available to you for free so that you can just keep them with you and, and learn more about these things. Now, in 1 Peter 3.15, why is it important to know what you believe? The scripture says, in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord. Always be ready. Say, always be ready. Always be ready. Always be ready, the Bible says, to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you, but do it courteously and respectfully. So, when I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I simply want you to be open. Just be open. Set aside human reasoning and just be open to the instructions from the Word of God. Because I'm not going to try to make the Bible say something it doesn't say. And so you can literally look at the Scriptures and learn from them yourself. And everybody say amen. amen. God doesn't want you to be afraid of the supernatural side of your life. I mean, as, I mean, as long as it's established upon sound biblical truth. Everything about salvation has to do with the spiritual side of your life. Everything about the will of God or the divine will of God has to do with the spiritual side of your life. The spiritual side, not the natural, the spiritual. And though there have been many abuses and distortions to this divine promise, it shouldn't sway you from receiving what God has promised for yourself regarding the Holy Spirit. Now, First, Paul actually addressed this to the Corinthians right off the bat in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. He says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit of God can ever say, Jesus, be cursed. Obviously, there were people saying that. They were, say, they were saying, we're led by the Spirit, and we're declaring that Jesus is a curse. He is not the Messiah. So he's saying, I mean, if you really got the Holy Ghost, you, you could never say that. You all agree with me on that? Then he says, and no one can really say Jesus is my Lord except by and under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. Wow! He had everything to do with your salvation. How many here to believe today, you believe that you are born again, that you are a Christian? Raise your hand. Okay, you, that came by the Spirit. That came by the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You know that by the Spirit. This isn't something that you got by human intellect. You got, this by, you got religion through human intellect, but you got the promise of salvation by that revelation that the Spirit of God gave you on the inside of you. Amen. Say, thank God I belong to Jesus. Thank God I belong to Jesus. Amen. Now, in Acts, the first chapter, 10 days after Jesus' ascension 
10 days after he ascended to the Father's right hand, 120 of his followers were in Jerusalem per his instructions. And the Bible says that they were waiting, Luke 24 says this, they were waiting to be endued with power from on high. Waiting for the divine equipping, amen, for God's plans and purposes. Now, in most Christian circles, people are familiar with God and, and also with Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy, Holy Spirit, there's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a, there can be confusion, not understanding who he is. We know from the scriptures that he's the third person of the Godhead. Can I have an amen? And because he is, to no surprise, we find him in the very beginning of Genesis 1. Look at verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says the earth was without form, empty waste and darkness was upon the faces of the very great, great deep. Watch this. The Spirit of God was moving or brooding or hovering over the face of the waters. Or we could say it this way. The Spirit of God was moving uh, 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 upon the midst of an empty waste of darkness. He's moving in the midst of darkness. Praise God. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for God to speak. And the moment God said, let there be light, the Spirit of God manifested light. The Spirit of God has always been involved from, uh, in, in the plan of God to, uh, for, for creation since the beginning. He was involved in the construction of everything we see and we don't see. The Spirit of God is working with the first person of the Godhead. Hallelujah. He said, let there be light. So it was the Holy Spirit that drove out the darkness and brought in the light. And he's been doing that ever since in the, in the, in the nature of mankind. Aren't you glad he's driving out the darkness? Yeah. Amen. And bringing in the light into your life. That's his ministry. Now, Genesis 2.28 says God, it says here, God giving man his divine assignment, which was what? To subdue and have dominion. That's his divine assignment. And neither Adam or his offspring were capable of doing this without divine help from above. God knew that they needed help. Every manifestation, every miracle, every supernatural thing that happened in the Old Testament was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Every miracle and manifestation of God in the New Testament was the ministry of the Holy Spirit, even in Jesus' life. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. Uh, the word power is the word dunamis. That's where we get the English word dynamite. It, it, it's supernatural power. It's power that destroys darkness, destroys every kind of chain, every kind of bondage. Hallelujah. That's the kind of power. It's supernatural. Supernatural, dynamic power, miraculous power, life-changing power. How God anointed Jesus with that kind of power. With the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Listen, for God in the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit was with him. Yeah. Amen. So even Jesus could not carry out his ministry until he was clothed from on high. In fact, it says it in Mark the first chapter, praise the Lord. In Mark the first chapter, it talks about Jesus was baptized of John. When he came up out of the water, he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven from the Father said, This is my beloved Son, hallelujah, in whom I am well pleased. Praise God. God, listen, at that very moment, the, the very moment, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, partnership with the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, to advance the will of God in the earth. So important you understand it. How many believe that Jesus needed the Holy Ghost in his life? We need it in our life. Amen. We need that equipping in our lives. Then what's interesting is what followed. The Bible says in Luke 4, 1, the Spirit led, or that word led means drove. The Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Now, what does that mean? It's simply saying this. Jesus could not have overcome the temptations in the wilderness without divine assistance, and neither can you. He needed the Holy Spirit. He needed his ministry. He needed his presence, his power. He needed his help. To overcome the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Amen. And if Jesus needed, how much more you and I can have an amen. And then in John 14, Jesus, because he knew that his earthly ministry is about to come to an end, he spends the necessary time introducing the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Here's what he said in verse 15. If you really love me, Jesus said to the disciples, you will keep or obey my commands. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another one. Jesus was saying, up to this point, and I love the Amplified, I've been your counselor, I've been your helper, I've been your intercessor, I've been your advocate, I've been your strengthener, I've been your standby, hallelujah. I've been that to you, but I'm about to head out, and I want you to prepare to receive another comforter. Praise God. I said, praise God. It wasn't a demon spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. Now, he was accused of having a demon spirit. It didn't help. Got the, got the scribes and Pharisees in trouble. But, amen. He was, he was um, I love this. You can, he was possessed by the Holy Ghost. How many want to be possessed by the Holy Ghost? Amen. That sounds a little extreme, doesn't it? Yeah, we need the extreme things of God. Amen. In order to run this race that God's called us to. He goes on and says this. He says, that he may remain with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive or take to its heart. Why? Because it does not see him. It does not recognize or know him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly. Well, how is the Holy Spirit living with them constantly? Through the ministry of Jesus. Is that right? Through the ministry of Jesus. He's, he's with you constantly, but watch this. He shall be in you. He shall be in you. He's going to possess you. He's going to fill you with, with God's glory. He's going to fill you with God's love. He's going to fill you with God's peace. He's going to fill you with God's joy. Hallelujah. He's just going to fill you with the personality of God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Then in John 16, Jesus is still instructing his disciples on the Holy Ghost. He says, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it. It's profitable, good, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby will not come to you into close fellowship. That's why I love close fellowship with you. Uh, this is what I love. You know, the apostle Paul said, no, no man of the flesh. Don't know anybody after the flesh. Why? Because if you, you, if you do, you'll be disappointed. But the whole, I mean, you'll never be disappointed getting close to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> into close fellowship with you. I love that. Hallelujah. If I go away, I will send them to be in close fellowship with you. Now, in the book of John, the 20th chapter, after Jesus has risen from the dead, he spends 40 days with the disciples instructing them, okay, in the word. And verse 21 says this, Then Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them, watch this, and said, Receive ye... The Holy Ghost. Now, if you, if you don't understand what he's saying, you'll think maybe this is something that has to do with Acts 2. Well, it really does, but it's not the same experience. We'll get that in a minute. When he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, what he was saying is he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the eternal nature of the Holy Spirit. And it was at that very moment that they were born again. You cannot find another record in the Bible where the disciples were born again. How many believe the disciples were born again? Oh, sure, four of you. How many believe that <laughs> the disciples were born again? They were, they were born again, but they needed divine equipping. So, first of all, he breathed on them so they could be born again because the Bible says that you, uh, Paul calls it a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, at that, when he breathed on them, it's the same breath. The same, don't get me confused, it's nothing hard, there's nothing hard about this. It was the same breath that God breathed into the nostrils of Adam as he laid there, as they, as they laid there on the ground, formed out of the dirt of the ground, lifeless, until God breathed into him his eternal nature and he came alive, hallelujah. Same thing. They came alive that day. They came alive that day, praise God. They were born again, hallelujah. Oh, I bet they got excited to be able to see Jesus for the first time as he is, hallelujah. I mean, to see him with their hearts. They were born again. They received the resurrection nature of God. Now listen, this was their first encounter. This was the first encounter they had with the Holy Spirit in regards to their personal salvation. And their second encounter with the Holy Ghost came 10 days later, and it's recorded in Acts 2. But before we read that, I want to read Jesus' final words before he ascended to the right hand of God. Verse 49 of Luke 24. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued, that word means clothed or vested with, um, with power from on high. 
And he led them as far as to Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Can you imagine watching that? All that had to have been cool. And the Bible says that, watch this, it's a beautiful, the last statement here. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now watch this. And were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Why were they in the temple praising God? They continued there. Why? Because he said, wait till you be endued from power, with power from on high. So they, listen, not only believed his word, they obeyed it. Wouldn't you agree that life would be so much easier if we not only believe the word, we obey it? Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Praise the Lord. Here they are waiting. So what happens? Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, so let me stop for a moment and share this. The word Pentecost, how many have heard of the word, statement, I'm Pentecostal? How many have ever heard that statement? Or uh, I go to a Pentecostal church. The word Pentecost literally means, all it means is 50. That's the, in, the, in the Greek, it means 50. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, let's go back for a moment. He said, let me read it one more time. On the day, no, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endured from power, power from on high. Oh, I'm reading the wrong verse. Acts 2, verse 1, forgive me. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. Okay. Now, uh, when the day of 50 came, what does that mean? When God delivered the Israelites out of 430 years of Egyptian slavery, exactly 50 days from the day they were loosed to the, to the day, um, 50 days later from the day they were loosed, Moses upon Mount Sinai receiving uh, God's commandments carved in stone with his finger. Amen. I mean, I love that. Just why in stone? Because God wanted them to know his word will never change. <laughs> Amen. And so that day, no, remember that, remember? I mean, before, before he could get them down the mountain, they had already broken the law, the Israelites. And so he broke them, and God had to cut another two tablets. <laughs> get back up here. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm having a cool carving out those commands. Anyway, um, 50 days after Jesus died on the cross, exactly 50 days later, they received the promise of the Spirit in order to have the power to walk out the Ten Commandments in their lives. Isn't that beautiful? Raise your hand. How many here, lifted, how, how many here you tried to live for God before you were saved? You tried to, but just couldn't. Lift your hand. I mean, you honestly wanted to do right, but you, and you just couldn't. Yeah, because, see, you didn't have the indwelling power on the inside of you. Now, I just want to no misunderstand me. If you're here today and you've accepted Christ in your heart, the Spirit of God lives in you. Because he's the one that does the work. Okay? Now, I wanted to go through a whole list of things today where the Holy Ghost, uh, how important he was in the life and ministry of Jesus, but I don't have time. I can only talk about so many things, and there was a couple of things I really wanted you to understand clearly regarding this experience, and, we'll, and we're going to finish up doing this. Now, the Bible says they, and uh, let's finish this, and the Bible says suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind. Oh, first of all, I love, they were all in one accord. Say they were in one accord. Amen. That, what does that mean? I mean, when you're in one accord, when you're unified, I mean, you, you literally, when you, are, you, you just untap the unlimited power of God when you're unified. That's why Satan attacks unity. They were all unified, the Bible says, in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven of his rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Watch this. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I'm going to slow down here, so I hope you, help you to understand this. Look at They began to speak in tongues, listen to this, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Or I could say it this way to help you. They began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance in tongues. What am I saying? Their part, the disciples' part, was to speak or provide the voice. The Holy Spirit's part was to give the utterance. 
A lot of times when I pray for people for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I, can't, I always say, now, now open your mouth and speak, and they sit there. God cannot move a park truck. You got to do something. You got you you to open up and give voice to the Holy Ghost. Now, always remember this, please. You got to set your natural mind. Uh, when they, the night I got filled with the Holy Spirit, now, again, I make fun of my heritage, you know, but that's okay. I can do it myself. We're Norwegian, mostly. And uh, so we always kid about Norwegians, you know, only in Savannah, you know. And, um, but the fact is, the night that I got filled with the Holy Ghost, they said, now, open your mouth and speak, but don't speak in English. Now, that is a really hard for a Norwegian to understand. But I obeyed. I obeyed, and I just gave voice, and the Spirit of God gave the utterance. We'll talk a little more on that as we go on. Okay? So, it didn't say they were filled with religious tradition. It doesn't say they were filled with, with uncontrolled emotion or even with a demon. The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And what was the proof? They began to speak in tongues. Meet what? Listen to this. A new tongue with a new dialogue was the confirmation. Why? Because Acts 2.11 says they are speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Hallelujah. So they were literally speaking in other, other Jews' languages from other countries. They were speaking their languages, professing the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Tell me that that's not supernatural. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 261 times in the New Testament, which tells us how important he is, not only in the birthing of the church, but also in the building of the church. See, I don't want anybody to come in here and just think we're a bunch of fruit loops because we teach on something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I was in a full gospel church with my beautiful wife, uh, her full gospel church for three and a half years before I opened up to that because I, I first of all, it scared me because I knew uh, uh, some of the people that were filled with the Holy Ghost spoke in tongues and they were weird. But I realized they were weird before they got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I'm just simply saying God will use anybody and everybody so it isn't, he, he just works within the personality. He, come on, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't change your, per- you are who you are. He doesn't change you. He doesn't force you to be something that you're not. At the same time, the more you commit to him and the more you commit to his word, the more you become like him. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. So, the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Acts 10.44, real quick, two, uh, two examples, and then we're going to pray. Acts 44. Amen. Again, I'm only going to the Bible. I'm not, you know, this isn't, this is the scriptures. And, and I'm just going to let you know, it's the King James. Acts, the 10th chapter. Let's read this. Now, Acts 10, verse 44. I wish I had time to read from the beginning because it's so awesome. There was, a, there was a, a military man by the name of Cornelius. He, I mean, he loved God. Listen to me. He loved God. He loved the Jews. And he even invested financially in the Jews' ministry. Very interesting. And he was not a Jew. And the Bible, he, I mean, he loved God. And so what did God do? God sent him a man, a man by the name of Peter. Now, Peter, if you read the scriptures, you'll find that Peter, up to this point, did not know that Gentiles could be saved. In fact, Cornelius was the first Gentile to be saved. He was the first worldly person to be saved. He was not a Jew. And, but he prayed, and God responded to his prayer. And so he sends Peter. And Peter preaches to him. For, I mean, it took a while, but he finally realized through a vision that he had that uh, God wanted to save everyone, both Jew and Gentile alike. But here's what it says in the 44th verse. Now, while Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them, them, them in Cornelius' house, okay? All of them which heard the word, Hallelujah. And they of the circumcision which believed were astounded. They, the Jews that were born again, that's the circumcision, the Jews that were born again, uh, as many as came with Peter, uh, were surprised that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost? And so they baptized them. So they were born again. 
See, they, they were born again, but they had not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, nor had they been water baptized, so they took care of both of them. Now, two or more, Acts 19. Now, there's more, more, more chapters, more, more examples, but I can't give you any more. I don't have time. But if you don't believe these two, you won't believe four. So, you know, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Acts 19, verse 1. While it came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper coast and came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. All right, now watch this. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, as, and they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Even though he was present throughout the whole Old Testament, even though he was present throughout the whole of the Pentateuch, all the uh, uh, scriptures Jews, uh, the Jews studied, they didn't understand this third person of the Godhead. Watch this. And he sent unto them, unto, then were, uh, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. You know what that means? They did not have texting back then. These believers, these believers didn't even know that Jesus had died and rose from the dead. They were believing that he was coming and so they said, well, we've been baptized in John's baptism. What was John's baptism? The baptism of, prepare ye the way, the baptism of repentance. So inside, these guys were believing the Messiah was coming. Amen? And so they had set their hearts aside for that purpose. They were doing the best they could. And the Bible says that, then Paul said, verily, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, now he told them, hey, the king has already come. The king has already died. The king is already seated at the right hand of the Father, and the king of salvation is here. <laughs> oh, man, they got excited. And the Bible said they were baptized, verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Hallelujah. So there was an evidence of the infilling of God's Spirit in their lives, and, and, and it was a divine prayer language. Say a divine prayer language. Amen. It is. It was, and it still is. So, give you three benefits of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because you need to understand this. A lot of Christians don't, so hang on. Three benefits, really quick, very easy. What are some of the benefits of being spirit-filled? First, let's not forget the last words Jesus left with the disciples. He says, Acts 1.8, You shall receive power, this is amplified, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the very bounds or ends or the very bounds of the earth. Amen. That's the last thing he said. You shall receive power, divine power, after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Amen. Now, we already know he did because Acts 2 says he did. So the first benefit is... God wants you to be supernaturally equipped for his supernatural plans and purposes. The second benefit of being spirit-filled. When you pray in tongues, listen to me, you are communicating with God intimately and unto men prophetically. And I'll explain that in a minute. I'll explain that in a minute. You'll, you'll get it, okay? You're speaking unto God intimately and unto men prophetically. 1 Corinthians 14. Look, watch this. this so, I wanted to read the whole chapter, but I don't have time. Follow the way of love... So what's the greatest gift? Come on, what's the greatest gift? Love's the greatest gift. Amen. Now follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially, watch this, especially the gift of prophecy. Amen. Now, I'm going to stop here just for a second. I'll rattle these off real quick. I got time. The baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts, the second chapter, is a separate experience. Here in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Paul gives us a list of nine gifts of the Spirit. I'll rattle them off to you. You, got, you have, you have the, the gift of, well, let me leave these for the last. You have the, the gift 
of faith, the gifts of healing and the working of miracles. You have the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, and the gift of discernment. And then the last three, you have the gift of tongues, the gift of the interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy, okay? All right, so these are nine gifts of the Spirit. Say they're gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Now we know the outpouring of God's Spirit in Acts 2 was also a gift. They couldn't earn that. It was God said, I'm going to send you another, I'm going to send you some divine help. The help, the, the, the one who has helped me throughout my whole life in ministry, I'm sending him to you. Okay? And so the evidence of that, they were waiting, right? It says that. They were waiting, worshiping, praising God. And the 10th day, the 10th day, 40 days he spent with them uh, instructing. And on that 10th day, praise God. They were worshiping God and the Holy Ghost fell and they were, they were filled with divine power to carry out God's will. All right. Now here, the Apostle Paul says this. I'll read it again. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when you're praying in your individual well, I'm, I'm going to make a point from Sunday night, last Sunday night. So when you're praying in your individual language, that's, that is for you personally. That is your personal, intimate communication with God. Because you can only say so much to God in English. How many here have ever had to pray but didn't even know what to pray? How to pray? I didn't even know what to pray. Anybody like that? I mean, somebody calls you and said, man, I'm in a crisis situation. Pray for me. And you go, well, I don't even know how to pray. God gave you a prayer language for that purpose. Watch this. Indeed, no one understands him. All right, let me say it again. Verse 2, for anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God. No one, indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So it's your spirit communicating with God who is a spirit. Amen? Let's go on. But everyone who prophesies speaks to who? Speaks to who? To, speaks to men for their, is this people up there? Speaks to men for their strengthening encouragement and comfort. Now he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Did you hear that? He edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Amen. For instance, if I was coming up to Randy, and Randy goes, uh, you know, uh, uh, pastor, I am. Um, I'm, I'm really going through some hard times. I need some counsel. Thank you. Ain't got to understand anything. He, it don't benefit him one bit because I didn't communicate to him with understanding. I just spoke to him in tongues. So it didn't profit him at all. So the only thing that will profit him is if he comes up to me and says, Pastor, would you pray for me? I really need counsel. And all of a sudden, out of my spirit comes a prophetic word from God for him. And it bears witness. Don't ever let somebody talk over you and you've never heard it before. Usually God deals with you in situations where only you know about it. The other person doesn't know about it. But when he speaks to you, he speaks about it. Okay. He who speaks, and let's go back. Now, I would like every one of you, verse 5, to speak in tongues or have your prayer language. That's what it's in, Acts 2. But I, would rather have, but I would rather have you prophesy. Watch this. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. So what is he saying here? You got to study the Bible the way it's written. He's saying here, now I want you to all to pray in tongues. I want you all to pray in tongues. Now listen, that's good. But I would rather there, there be a, the, one of the, two of the nine gifts of the Spirit is tongues and then the interpretation of tongues. He said, I'd rather have you speak in the gift of tongues with the interpretation so that it profits the ones who are listening. So he's not throwing out tongues. He's saying there's a better, but what profits the, 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 the corporate body is when there's an interpretation to what is being said in tongues. Are you with me so far? I'm not trying to confuse you. Listen to this. Message Bible. If you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies between you and him. Is that beautiful or what? Watch this. 
But when you proclaim his truth in everyday speech, you're letting others in on the truth so that they can grow and be strong and experience his presence with you. Very important, very important. Finally, number three, the third benefit of being filled with the Spirit is Jude 20. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Listen, this divine gift of praying in the Spirit is for building up, not bloating up. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues, that should humble you to the floor. To realize how awesome God is to give you a prayer, a, a prayer language that you can you can communicate with him intimately in the spirit. It's a beautiful thing. Because again, your mind only goes so far with God. So it's not for bloating. It's not, for, oh, yeah, we speak in tongues, so we're better than this one or that. No, we're not. No, we're not better. Listen, we're just more equipped but more responsible. More responsible. Let's look, look at now. Remember I always say, building up. What does he even talk about? Building up yourself in your most holy faith. Well, let's look, at, let's look at the verse around. Let's look at the scriptures around that verse. Verse 17 through 23. This is the New Living Translation. Now, Tina, you're gonna real, we're going to realize this. I don't know why, but I get some of these translations. This is the New Living number two. It was just in my, I don't even know what number two means. But listen to it. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus said. They told you that in the last times, when did the last times start? Anybody tell me? Thank you, the book of Acts, exactly right. It's the book of Acts is when the last times or the last days started, 2,000 years ago. Watch this. They, told that, they said that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones uh, who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build up each other in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus, who will send you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them. From the flames of judgment, show mercy to still others, but to do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Wow. Think about that. So there's a reason. There's a reason. Every one of us can connect with this because every one of us have walked in that realm at one time. But not any longer. Because God's given us help. Ephesians 5. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill, I love this, fill and control you. <laughs> this is what my translation says. Fill and control you. Then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. Now, wrapping this up, I want the musicians to come up, please. Wrapping this up, stay focused on the last couple of things I'm saying because it's important for you. 1 Corinthians 12 is where Paul gives us a list of the nine gifts of the Spirit. And I mentioned the two that I just want to address as we close here. The gift of, one, the King James says, diverse kinds of tongues. And the gift of the interpretation of those diverse kinds or those different kinds of tongues. Okay? These are the two I want to focus on today because we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 says this. All these nine gifts, these achievements, these abilities, are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit. Watch this now. I want you to catch this. Who apportions to each person individually exactly as he chooses. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's as the Spirit wills, not as we will. Is that, you all agree with me on that? But he's specifically addressing the nine gifts of the Spirit. See, people get confused. They get, this, they get these two gifts confused with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. If this was true, then I would think just some of those people would have got filled, uh, spoken tongues, not, not them all. But the Bible says in Acts 2, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So if it's severally as the Spirit wills, there's got to be a difference between the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2 and the, and the, and the uh, two gifts of the Spirit of the nine in 1 Corinthians 12. 
And there is. And there is. Once you're filled with the Holy Ghost, then you qualify for that experience. Amen. What's the difference of the two? Listen to this. This is so good. The gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues in 1 Corinthians 12 are for, pub, for a public setting. While your personal prayer language is for a private setting. Did you get that? Why is that important? You say it again. It's so important that you see this. The gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues in 1 Corinthians 12 are for a public setting. There has to be an interpretation. Otherwise, the body, Christ, is not, does, is not edified. They haven't learned nothing. And your personal prayer language is for a private setting. It's for you alone. Now, last Sunday night, we stood up there. I know. Last Sunday night, we stood up there. And we're praying in the Spirit. Um, uh, Reverend Tan said, everybody pray, start praying in the Spirit. And I'm sure that there were people here that were not filled with the Holy Ghost. And so everybody's praying in tongues. And I stopped. I literally stopped for like three to five minutes. And I looked at Pastor Vicky and I said, there needs to be a tongue. Otherwise, we're out of order. Because everybody praying in the Spirit didn't benefit anybody except for the individual believer because you were simply building yourself up on your most holy faith, but it didn't benefit the church corporately. So I said, there needs to be an interpretation. She said it right away. I have the tongue. Oh, I hope. So give it. So she gives the tongue. Then I stepped forward and I gave the interpretation. Why? Because the interpretation in English brought inspiration and blessing to the people in the congregation. Otherwise, it wouldn't have benefited anything. Do you understand me on that? That's why it's so important that you understand the difference. Because we can all, and there's nothing down a prayer. When they're at prayer, they pray in the spirit a lot. Why? Because they're, they're interceding. There's an intercessory prayer in the spirit so you can pray out the mysteries of God regarding whatever needs to be prayed out at that time. But in a congregational setting, in a church setting, in a, in a meeting, now, yes, Brother Hagan taught us years ago, we have believers' meetings. There are special believers' meetings where people pray more in the spirit together. But in your, in your average uh, congregational setting of coming together, if there's going to be tongues, then there needs to be, there has to be an interpretation, otherwise it doesn't benefit the church. I just want you to help them understand that. All right, I hope you understand. Would you all agree, hey, listen, would you all agree that if you all prayed in the Holy Ghost for 30 minutes before you got to church, you'd be more prepared to receive? Lift your hand if you really believe that's true. Absolutely true. I'm just simply saying, I mean, it's true because your spirit will be sensitive, uh, very sensitive then to the Holy Spirit. And that's why these meetings, these prayer meetings for the believers, are, the prayer meetings are not for unbelievers. We, don't, we do not uh, uh, invite strangers uh, into our prayer meetings because it, it would be like inviting a stranger into your bedroom to have intimacy with your bride. The same kind of thing. So when you're praying in the Holy Ghost alone, you're literally, you're, 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 you're just like putting a, a charger on that battery and it begins to charge it up so that you become stronger and stronger. Praise God. Then, listen, you know why it's important? Because during your day, all the voices, all the voices, all the voices that are out there, you, you pray in the Holy Ghost, you'll be able to hear what the, voice, what the Spirit is saying to you. So let's stand. We're going to pray. Now in Luke, the 11th chapter, do you want to say something before I share? In Luke, the 11th chapter, uh, now this is Jesus talking, okay? Now, you may not believe everything, but believe Jesus. Believe Jesus. Here's what he said to the disciples. He said to them in Luke 11, he, 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 saw, he saw the effectiveness of their prayer, his prayers, and so they asked him to teach them. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. So he introduces them to what we know, the Lord's Prayer. You know, he teaches them the instructions or the guidelines how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, oh, holy, hallowed be thy name. God, your kingdom come. Your way be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everybody say amen to that. So he's teaching them. Then he goes on and says this. I'll find it. Mm -hmm. He said this. I say unto you, this is Jesus saying, 
ask and it shall be given you. Ask and what will happen? Say it shall be given you. Amen. Seek and knock and it'll be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, everyone that seeks, and everyone that knocks, absolutely. He said everyone. I think we got some everyone's up here, right? No, I'm serious. Everyone. So, and we don't qualify because we don't qualify because we know certain scriptures. We don't qualify because, uh, you know, we're at a level of spirituality, so therefore we're called. No, no, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Everybody. And um, he goes on and says this. Now, if, this is important. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father. So if your son were to ask you for bread, Jesus says, would you give him a stone? Well, answer that. No. You wouldn't give him a stone, would you? No, you'd give him what he needs. If he asks for bread, he's hungry. So because you love, have a father's love, you'd give him exactly what he's asking for. Is that right? Amen. Then Jesus said this. This is Jesus. Now, he says, if he asks, if a son shall ask his daddy for a fish, will daddy give him a serpent instead of a fish? Well, no. He wouldn't give him something that would harm him. That's why a lot of people are a little bit afraid of the Holy Spirit because they, is he going to harm me? No, he's, he's God. I said he's God. Amen. No, and he goes on and says this. Well, if he asks for an egg, will he, instead of giving him an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No. Okay, then. If ye being evil, now remember, he, he hasn't gone to the cross yet. He's simply addressing the nature of man. If ye, then evil, evil, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So today, you're going to be asking for the infilling of the Spirit. You're not going to be asking for a scorpion. And because your heavenly Father loves you so much, he's going to give you what you ask for. Okay. Now, here's the key. Please listen. Because it's important to hear what the Spirit is saying. Do you remember the Bible says, the Spirit of God suddenly fell on them, and they began to speak. As the Spirit gave them utterance in tongues. They began, so you have to give voice. You can't stand there. You can't stand there and not say anything. Neither can you stand there and say, oh, Jesus, oh, help me, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help me, help me. Because see, then your head is getting in the way. You stand there, you open your mouth, and you just go, and all of a sudden, this supernatural prayer language will come out of you. It's the language God gives you. I mean, it's very, it's very childlike. You just receive by faith. And so I did. I did. Vicky did. Many here today did. Because they did, praise God, they received. So you're up here receiving because you're asking. Because you're asking, God is going to give you what you ask for. Amen. Now, everybody here today, participate. And even if you were afraid to come down, just right there because you're a little bit, you know, maybe you're just private and, you know, don't want anybody to know. Just so you pray here today with these. And I'm going to lead them in a prayer. And then we're going to pray over them. And God's going to fill them with his spirit. Because of what pastor's speaking about, what pastor's speaking about is receiving your own private heavenly prayer That's language. It. Yep. And it is, the Bible calls it the language of heaven, the language of God and of angels. And it is your direct pipeline yeah. in the spirit, because God is a spirit, to heaven and to speak to the Father, and the Father speak through you. Now, when pastor lays hands on these people to pray for them, he'll probably say something like, everybody pray in your prayer language, everybody pray. That's to be an encouragement. Uh, but also you get the opportunity to build yourself up, yeah. to be a part of that. And I will say this. Now, the pastor said in this setting we wouldn't speak in our prayer language. But we would because we, this church believes that. We wouldn't go into a denominational church that don't believe it and say we're going to, it wouldn't be no purpose. Because they've already made up their mind they don't believe it. But, you know, in Acts, it says, the book of Acts has never been closed. All the other ones in the New Testament, there's a salutation at the end, and they're right. closed out. Right. Goodbye, see you soon, they would say. But in Acts, it doesn't. 
It says, when that which is per- the, this thing shall not pass away until that which is perfect has come, and he hasn't come yet. So it ends there. It's just not, there's no end to the, sec- to the, the book of Acts. Because that is the Acts of the Holy Ghost. The whole book yeah. of Acts is it says the Acts act, yeah. of the Holy Ghost. It says in your Bible, the Acts of the Apostles, but it's not. It's the Acts, acts of the Holy of Ghost. the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so... In a, in a situation like this, and many times when we go to pray for maybe someone in the body or for the church or something, uh, vision of the church or something we're all believing for, and pastor would say, everyone pray in the spirit. You take your personal prayer language that God's given you, and corporately we can all pray together, and that's all the more powerful. It falls under that scripture, one can put a thousand to flight, but two ten thousand. And so it becomes even more powerful in the spirit when we all are in unity in one accord. One thing when pastor was talking about uh, uh, Pentecost, which meant 50, and the Jews still celebrate Pentecost today, which is usually in May sometime. It's 40 days after after Easter, or excuse me, 50 days after Easter, but it's 10 days after the ascension. So when Jesus was ascending, that's when he told 500 believers that were watching him go up to heaven. He said, go tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit will be given to you. And so out of 500, 120 went. (laughs) They obeyed. You know, about a quarter of the people went and obeyed. But guess what? They were there 10 days in that upper room worshiping. And being before God. Ten days they joined together for that corporate anointing in one accord. And then the Holy Spirit was given. Remember when Jesus was praying at Gethsemane? And he turned to him and he says, couldn't you just pray one hour? Well, I'm sure he was thinking about the day they would have to stand there for ten days and pray and wait on the Holy Spirit. Couldn't you just pray one hour? You know what? It used to be hard for me to pray one hour. But after I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I can pray way longer and I don't want to quit. I can get up in the night and pray for two hours. And it seemed like ten minutes. Because it's in, in the Spirit. So when pastor prays for all of these, it's okay to pray in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, and if you're like me, there have been many times in my Christian walk since I was filled with the Holy Ghost that I needed a refreshing. I just needed a fresh and filling. I'd been so busy or whatever, and I hadn't given place to that prayer language that God had given me. And I just needed a refreshing. So as you, as we pray for these, begin to just speak out in your prayer language. That's okay. That's okay. And, And not only will that create even more of the power of the spirit in this place and in others and those around you, you know, but it will refresh you as well and lift you up and build you up. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. We also have our midweek service every week on Wednesday nights from seven to eight. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.